0: Welcome to The Prevention Perspective, a podcast dedicated to sharing information, ideas, and resources about violence prevention work. The topics discussed in this podcast, including healthy relationships, prevention practices, and dating or sexual violence, can be difficult, and we urge you to listen with care. Our hosts are not licensed counselors or mental health professionals. If you or someone you care about have experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can also find more resources in the description of this podcast.
1: back you're here with Maria and Tracy and we're also here with Annalise so Annalise can you tell us a little bit about yourself yeah um
2: so I am the youth services program manager here at the WCA I've been here for about a year uh previously I uh mainly worked in outdoor education and I did a lot of backpacking trips and um used to teach sex ed and all all different stuff and I moved to Boise about two years ago from the northeast
3: what is uh what
2: does your program entail yeah, so our program entails child care. So we provide licensed child care at shelter along with unlicensed child care at our downtown location. Uh, but within that, we work a lot on figuring out how to best support these families that we serve, that we have. And as we do that, we can recognize that every family is so different when they come in. You know, they might be coming in for similar reasons of, you know, DV or SA, but every family is so different. And so part of my job is kind of figuring out, working with those families and seeing like, okay, like, do you need community support? Do you need childcare? Do you need um, to connect with a local school since you first moved here and and your child's not in school yet yeah, and all those different stuff.
1: What do you enjoy about your job as a youth service program manager? Ooh, um, I love the kids.
2: I love seeing the families evolve as we continue to provide that support to them, whether it's just, you know, a a new parent that is just giving birth to their baby and be being able to provide them uh, the safety items that they need um, to seeing a parent tell me about how much they've seen their child grow within our program and how much easier it's been to get them to help around um, or to even like go to bed at bedtime because we've helped create that routine for them. And the kids are just hysterical little human beings that, you know, have the funniest little jokes and, um, you know, they're just so innocent and wild. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. Do you find it difficult at all, like working with these kids and knowing how much trauma they're coming from? How does that impact you in the way that you do your work?
2: Yeah. I mean, it definitely impacts, um, you know, it's, it's important for us to know what has happened to these kids, you know, not to the nitty gritty details, but to understand that they have received, you know, maybe specifically physical abuse or, or essay or anything like that. Um, and that's always difficult to hear that regardless if like, you know, a child or not, right? Like that's hard to hear. Um, but You know, I make sure that my staff and I take it and we don't hold it to ourselves. And we just can recognize of, okay, like we know that this child has had sexual abuse in the past. So we're going to be extra careful when we do diaper changes or bathroom stuff. Right. So we're just kind of being a little bit more cautious of working on consent with these kids and working on, you know, talking them through what we're doing. Mm. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah. And you talk about working with consent. So how what are ways that you do that with the kids?
2: Yeah. So um, a pretty typical one is, you know, you have two spectrums with especially younger kids, right? So you have one side of the spectrum where it a child will just come up to anyone and hug them and say, I love you. And even though they just met you. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have on the other side of a child that doesn't want to be there is crying and wants to be alone. And what we find is there's a lot of that, you know, the other side of that spectrum of wanting to hug and constantly touch and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Cause they're seeking that out. Um, because maybe, maybe they haven't had that or, you know, that's what they've learned. Right. And so we talk a lot with the little kids of, you know, oh, actually, can you ask me before you touch me? Before, you know, you need to ask somebody if you can hug them before you hug them. And that pause allows them to learn about that consent. And what I like to do, and I tell my staff to do, is don't say yes every time, right? Because everyone needs to learn to hear no. Mm -hmm. Because if you're just going to assume, well, they're gonna say yes anyways, why ask? Right. Like that's assumption. Um, But when you know, when a little kid comes up, asks me for a hug and I say, no, thank you. My body needs a rest. And when I say it in that specific way, it's providing them that information And it's not on them. It's not because I don't want to hug from them. It's because my body needs a rest. So it has nothing to do with them. So they can kind of take that away from, well, what did I do? Why don't they want to hug me?
3: We wanted to talk with Annalise about the protective factors that can happen on a relationship level. So specifically, we're looking at a positive, warm parenting style, someone's connectedness to family, and positive friends or role models so i'm curious and if just off the top you have any thoughts around how um how those things help protect against uh violence or harm happening and what that could look like in your work oh yeah i mean that's
2: major right like just thinking about how you know when a child makes a mistake and how they react mm. to it, of, of them making that mistake, that right there, you can kind of see what type of parenting or what type of adult-specific relationships they've had in their life. Because if they're going to immediately say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and, you know, mm. really – be that defensive and, and, you know, everything's wrong because they spilled milk, then most likely that means that they've grown up with an adult around them that is negatively, you know, reacting towards uh, their small mistakes. It's a big thing that we see with, with kids. You know, parents are in very difficult situations at times, and they might not have the Ability at that time to really be patient with their child or they've never even learned how to be patient with their child. Mm-hmm. You know, a three-year-old is a three-year-old and they don't know boundaries yet and they don't know these things. And it can be really hard when you've had a long day of whatever it may be as an adult and the next thing your your child is doing something and you're yelling at them. And that's going to impact that child.
1: Mm-hmm. So... What are ways that someone can display a warm parenting style in their homes if they don't know methods or how can they learn about this?
2: Yeah, so I mean there's so many resources out there on the internet. And to also make sure that the parent understands it's okay to make mistakes going to you're human, that's that's what happens, especially as you're learning. And just because you have a child doesn't mean that you know how suddenly how to do everything with kids, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. and every year that child is like a new child right they're they're learning all these new things so you know so much is impacting their abilities to understand things and and all this kind of stuff right and so going online looking at different resources reaching out there's a bunch of different parenting classes that could potentially be available And yeah, and figuring out also for yourself as the parent of, okay, how do I react? Mm -hmm. Why do I react that way? Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, slowly making those changes, those tiny habits of like, okay, when your child spills milk, I need to make sure that I take a moment to pause myself and then react. So then you have those few moments to yourself of assessing the situation, being like, it's okay. And say like, oh, we just spilled it. Okay. Like, let's go clean it up. So then it doesn't become this, this big thing. So in addition to like a positive parenting style that Mm -hmm. somebody has, how can we increase family connectedness? What does that look like? Family time and like family time that matches the kid's interests and also the parent interest. It doesn't always have to be just what the parent wants or just what the child wants you know it should be kind of a combination of interests and and being able to bond over those things and it doesn't have to be this big day out to the uh, movies or to the amusement park or anything it could simply be when you're waiting for the bus or you're waiting for the car to be fixed or whatever it may be and bringing out some cards a matching game even doing I Spy, these small little moments are building upon for this child and that parent relationship. Because, you know, when I think back at my childhood, some of my biggest memories are these smallest little things Mm -hmm. of, of, you know, I remember going in my dad's blue truck on Saturday mornings and getting french fries at McDonald's and a bottle of Gatorade. Like, that was not a big thing, but that was such a big impact in my life because that was a time where I could have time with my dad alone, mm-hmm. right? So maybe having that time alone with that parent if there's multiple kids or even just all together doing activities together, and that could be as small as coloring and, you know, and picking out like, oh, I really liked how you, you know, made shrek blue today or you know and pointing out those things so then your child can see that you're noticing the things that they're doing
3: yeah so sounding like you could do kind of both of those things like if if somebody is working towards you know building up their skills as a parent or Mm -hmm. as an adult in a kid's life like yeah finding that way to connect and spend time together and then also pulling in those those observations and those positive comments because, yeah, kids do pay attention to that. Oh, <laughs> absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they'll pick up on the negative stuff too, being like, oh, was that not like, you know, they didn't say anything this time. Like, did I do it wrong this mm-hmm. time? Or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And really, you know, not being too afraid to make mistakes because, once again, we all make mistakes even with our language, but trying your best to pick your language that's appropriate for the child that you're around. Can you tell us a little bit about um, Family Night? Yeah, so Family Night um, was something that I started Quite a few months ago, and it is a program that all of our shelter residents are uh, welcome to. But specifically, our families are very encouraged to go to. It's currently the only program we have where kids are allowed to go. And Family Night is this program that it's an hour long. We every week we have something different. So whether it's tie dyeing, or minute to win it games, or a water carnival. It's a lot of different things, and we're looking at also the the different ages that we're seeing currently to make sure that it can all be done appropriately with each age that we have. And so that time creates a space for families to come together where they know they're welcome and safe and that it's a time every week that they know that we're there, it's dependable, and that the parents know that they need to be there engaging with their children but they don't have to come up with that activity because we already have that activity. So they're able to then also see myself and my staff modeling that different behavior with their children and saying, you know, oh, you know, Johnny, can I write consent? Can I take a picture of your artwork? Is that OK? And, you know, and saying yes or no and kind of going through those different motions of of um, how to interact with your child.
1: Yeah, and I think it's the, like, small things. Like, I wouldn't have thought, like, before working or coming here, that simply, like, asking for a hug is something that would be considered consent. Mm -hmm. Because growing up, I feel like part of my culture was, like, you always had to, like, give someone a hug to say goodbye or something like that. And so... I think it's really important to teach that that is something that needs to be asked. Like, even if you're little, it doesn't matter, like, what age range. Oh, absolutely. It's always considered, like, everyday consent.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I think also a big thing is, like, our society views consent as a sexual thing Mm -hmm. um but it's not right like we know like i can ask your consent for a hug or for a kiss or just for a high five even or even just to say you know hey i'm having a hard day do you have the ability right now to hear what i'm going to say right because that that affects us like I right now am not mentally uh, stable enough to hear your trauma. And so I'm going to ask you not today. Um, Even that is just the, the small, small little consents. And a big thing that we work on that some people, parents have trouble with is sharing. I tell parents they do not have to share. If that's something that they have, they can play with it. And then once they're all done, then somebody else can play with it, right? So like, you're still sharing it on a level. But just because somebody comes over and says, I want that, you don't have to just give it to them. Because I think that then creates this kind of expectation uh, for kids of like, I, oh, you asked, so I just have to give it to you. And I have no autonomy over what I want to do. And so it's that small little thing that you're teaching to kids of of being like, no, you you absolutely can share but that doesn't mean right now
1: yeah I think you make a really good point I think a lot of people like think positive parenting style is just like saying yes all the time like making sure oh, like yeah. they're caressed or like cared for but it has different like meanings there's different ways to like show that to your child
2: oh absolutely I mean, one of the one of our interview questions for staff is uh, what is your experience with discipline and that's the number one question question that always has very interesting responses because people have this very big negative connotation with that word, right? Of like discipline of like, whoa, like I don't believe in disciplining my children. And I'm like, if you look at the definition of discipline is teaching, you're teaching children. And so that's what we're doing. We're teaching children responsibility and and boundaries and things that they need to have. I mean, these are life skills. When kids don't know how to clean That will affect them later on in life, whether that's at the job level or at learning level or at living level, right? Like all these things will impact as they get older and is so important for them to learn. And you can always learn as you get older, of course, but it's going to be harder for that child or teenager or adult to learn those things. Mm -hmm. But if we start at the beginning at two years old and say, oh, hey, you know, when you're done with the toy, then you need to put it away before you go to the next toy. That small little thing, some people may view that as like, you're being a little harsh with a two-year-old, like let them play. And it's like, well, we are because mom's going to come down in 10 minutes. And when it's that transition time of like, okay, clean everything up. That's so overwhelming to see all of these toys on the floor and being like, oh, I have to pick all that up right now, right? So when we're, we're preparing them for that responsibility and learning how to pick things up, but that's also helping them later on in that day for that transition of, okay, we're all done playing. We need to clean up because mom needs to leave.
1: And I think you're doing like a really good job of showing them and like teaching them that way they, kind of what you touched on earlier, like it helps the parents <laughs> in the long run.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite moments of my job so far has been a parent that, you know, came in right towards the end of her stay with us. And she was just like in tears telling me like how much it has helped for her kids to be in our care because she's seen them, you know, suddenly – they're okay with playing alone while she's going to cook dinner or something, right? And I mean, that's a huge thing along with like, they know now of like, okay, we're going to read a book and then go to bed. And you know, they're into these routines, or they now pick their, their toys up. It's not a fight anymore, because they're used to it. They've learned. I mean, I remember this, this little boy, he's about two years old. And when he first came in, he had you know, a hard trouble with cleaning things up. And by the end of his stay, he was showing this other two-year-old who just started, like, how to clean things up, or he would just go up and clean for other kids, because he really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the thing, is, like, you know, the cleanup needs to be age-appropriate, but that doesn't mean that two-year-olds can't learn how to get dressed or to clean up things because they want to. Little kids love to have jobs Mm -hmm. because they want to model what they're seeing of the adults around them. Mm -hmm. And when they see that, you know, mom or dad or whoever is cleaning they want to also clean and they get that pride in them of like I'm helping out I'm doing this like I got to do that and that's one thing that we have in our room is that we have little job responsibility cards that they can just go up anytime and they can pick it and you know they want to vacuum they want to dust they want to wipe they want to mop or whatever, and they get so excited that generally the kids will go up and do all four jobs every single day. And it's not us saying, oh, it's now time to do this. It's, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. And they get so, I mean, you can just see their chest filling with pride. So cute. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. And then to just hear it, you know, like from the parents saying, because then the parents are really you know, proud when we share that information with them. They're like, oh, like, yeah, like they love to clean or, Mm -hmm. oh, man, that's why, you know, they were doing this the other day. And, you know, having those responsibilities are are so important for these kids, but also for those parents, because then they can see that their kids are able to do these things and that, you know, it's just a very fun thing to see. Yeah, And like, that's not discipline,
3: right? Like that those things aren't a negative Yeah thing or there's not a negative association with it I think again a lot of times like or I grew up in a family that did chores oh yeah <laughs> and there was always this negative like teeth pulling thing about doing your chores and and I feel like that yeah establishing that this early on mm-hmm. this young is a really really great way to yeah give them a sense of responsibility and like yeah you do
2: contribute to this household mm-hmm. like you are a part of it you have oh, a role so. to play yeah when you um, make a mess you pick it up yeah period right yeah very much so yeah i mean the and and that's the thing is like with with discipline like you know we have a discipline policy and, and it's that positive discipline it's redirection a lot of the times it's time away which you know a lot of people go 50-50 with time away, and a lot of times what what we explain to my staff is when kids can't settle their bodies right now because they are so overwhelmed with all of their feelings and everything that's happening, that's when we do time away so that they can go to a space where they can be safe because they need to be safe in order to calm down, and also the other kids and staff need to be safe as well. Um, And that's generally, you know, because – I don't know about you guys, but when I get overwhelmed, sometimes I like to just like go in a dark space and not be around people and kind of, you know, sit with myself until I'm I'm ready to be around people. Um, And that's, you know, kids also need that. Um, And to make sure that we have a space. So like right now we have a sensory corner that, you know, it's this little box. Not little, it's a pretty big box. It's like a wooden thing. And they're able to go in it, and they crawl into it. It's also like not fully enclosed box at all. Mm-hmm. It's like a cube, um, and you know, pillows in there. And we will we'll, uh, we're setting up right now, so we'll have sensory lights in there, and you know, different things. So that they when when they need a space to go, they're still in the room with everyone, but they're able to make that physical, you know, mm-hmm. experience of of putting themselves away from other people and in a a soft and and nice calming area and even, you know, having things like sensory lights or pop poppets, or, you know, all those different sensory toys along with maybe even um, noise canceling headphones. Mm -hmm. It's really cool.
1: What would you say, what is lacking or what can we do better to help people thrive in our community regarding like having positive parenting styles, connectedness to family, or maybe being like great role models or friends to others?
2: That's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I think there's so much that we could do. I think a big thing is making our community more kid-friendly in general or society more kid-friendly, right? We have this thing where, you know, kids should be, oh, you have an appointment, kids should be in this place, you know, separate. Um, And that's fine. For some parents, they need that. And for other parents, they might not have the ability to do that. And then that's allowing, you know, that's then creating this, uh, potential rift, right, of the parent being like, oh, I need to do this and this and this, but I can't because I have my kid with me. But if we're more open and available for kids within the society, then that rift would kind of go down, mm-hmm. along with understanding that when you just suddenly have a baby, that doesn't mean you suddenly know how to parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really hard thing to recognize for a lot of people. Um, and You know, all that you know is what you know, whether it's from how you grew up. And so that's how you view as a parent is, well, this is what my mom did and this is what my dad did or aunt, uncle or grandma, grandpa or whoever. Um, Then that's what you're going to most likely do or do the opposite because, you know, it, it was, you know, you disagree with it now. But I think what we need to do is have more access to parenting classes that's not just based upon you did cps so now you have to go to this parent class mm-hmm. you know it should be more of like anyone and everyone come to this parent class just to know a little bit more of how you can support your family in a positive way and making sure that we're not telling parents that they're bad parents because as soon as you do that you just lost that parent mm-hmm. there's no way that that parent will come f- to you for help in the future, even if it's something, you know, I'm not talking about them abusing their child. I'm talking about, you know, other situations, um, you know, where you may disagree with what they do, um, but it's not hurting the child, right? Um, Instead, that's where that modeling comes from. And that's why, like, you know, maybe you are your friend or your sister or brother, whoever has Children, and you really want that parent to learn about positive parenting, I think the best way is to to role model for that person to go and, and hang out with them, go hang out with them and their kids, and then you know when something happens and you do this parenting style, then your friend is seeing that and seeing how their own child is responding to that, and then maybe they'll pick it up and be like, "Wow, that was." that actually worked, you know, like when the kid falls and you don't react right away, they just got up, they brush themselves off and they're done. And when, you know, normally you would react right away. I'm like, oh my goodness, are you okay? And then the child learns like, oh, maybe I'm not okay. Right. Like from that reaction, um, even just simple as that can really help. Or even just listening. I, I don't know about you guys, but there was definitely some family friends that Um, as I was growing up that I would go to right when I had a difficult time Mm -hmm. because it was a lot easier to talk to them and that's why it's so important to have those positive um, adult relationships as you're a kid because that then opens up so many more foundation for you as a child whether it's like you know I'm not comfortable talking with mom and dad about relationship that i'm having so i'm gonna go to sue for that because i know she'll she'll listen to me because mom and dad are not listening to me right now or you know anything like that
3: well annalise you have shared so many great thoughts and insights with us today is are there any final thoughts you want
2: to leave with uh with us on the prevention perspective today I think a big thing is, um, you know, no kid is a bad kid. They just are in bad situations. Mm -hmm. And to remember that when kids are having reactions that people may be thinking are bad or terrible or whatever, most likely that's something that they've seen and that's the only way that they know how to react. Or their body just doesn't know how to react in another way. And then also, you know, It doesn't have to be a lifelong relationship to make an impact on a child. It could be a summer. Mm. It could be a school year. It could be a few months. Um, It matters. Thank you so much. I love that.
3: Well, I think that is it for our episode today. We want to invite you back for our next episode of The Prevention Perspective. But appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Prevention Perspective. Again, if you or someone you know has experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Or you can call the WCA's 24-hour hotline at 208-343-7025. Don't forget to follow us on social media at WCA underscore Boise and WCA Youth Reps. If you have any suggestions for topics you would like us to cover or get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, contact us through the email provided in the description of the podcast.